We need traditional medicine. Mm -hmm. We do. It's very important and there's a time and place for it. But for people coming in with things like chronic disorders or they have questions and you can't help them in five to 10 minutes. No. And all they cared about was getting the charts through the door. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. I'm going to sit down with the remarkable Maggie Berghoff. Now, half of you already know who she is. The other half of you need to know who she is. She is a functional medicine nurse nurse practitioner and health consultant who works with celebrities and entertainers and athletes and CEOs and big-time entrepreneurs, and she helps them really up-level their physical and mental health. Matter of fact, we have a very in-depth conversation about what we as busy, grinding entrepreneurs are facing when it comes to physical and mental health and how she had to face something very similar that became a breakthrough moment in her life. Now, one side of her practice is helping that physical and mental health. The other side of her practice is helping other health practitioners that want to go off on their own do exactly that so that they can go off on their own and make a bigger impact in this world instead of having the restraints of working for a certain doctor or a certain hospital. Because so many people in this space want to go off and practice and help people in the way that they know they're capable of without any lids or limits on them. So it's no wonder that you've seen Maggie in Entrepreneur.com and CBS, featured in Well and Good and iHeartRadio and everywhere else too, because she's absolutely killing the game. So we're going to dive in, talk about things like, what was it like leaving a stable job to go work for yourself? And what's it like working with your spouse? And how can hiring help that relationship when you are working with your spouse? And then we really get into navigating the fears around charging what you are really worth. And she shares a really significant Instagram lesson about halfway through that you're going to want to hear. Let's call it a cautionary tale. And towards the end, we actually end up in some accidental live coaching around money mindset and truly giving yourself credit for the impact that you've already created instead of waiting for one day Or instead of saying what I'm doing right now isn't enough, but when I get here, then it'll be enough. I think you're going to love that piece when we fall into that accidental coaching around money mindset. Now, listen, if you want to coach with me when it comes to your money mindset, if you want to break those limiting stories, if you want a better relationship with your finances, not just on the mindset side, but literally in practice, like what do you do and in what order with your money, then I want you to go check out my course at thetruthaboutmoney.com. This course should be a two or $3,000 end-all, be-all course for anyone that wants to get their relationship right with money. But I didn't want to charge that. I only wanted to charge a small, tiny fraction of that because I wanted to get it into the hands of those who needed it most. And those who needed it most probably did not have a lot of extra money. And so consider this course one of my acts of paying it forward. And you can even get another $50 off by using the coupon code MONEY when you go to checkout. Again, use the coupon code MONEY when you go to checkout at thetruthaboutmoney.com to get another $50 off. So get ready, listen up, because this episode with Maggie is going to blow your mind. Here we go. 
All right, Maggie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I am so freaking good. You have no idea. Now, you and I have tried to schedule this a couple times. So one, thank you for being here. Two, I'm glad that it finally worked out. I can't wait to dive into the conversation today. But before we do that, we're starting with rapid fire. It's a fun way to let my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And if there's something really good that comes up, we'll circle back around and do a deep dive. You in? Um, yeah, so excited. <laughs> All right, I love I'm it. I'm pumped. We're going to start really I easy. I know fire, how you feel ready. about this. Exactly. <laughs> so where'd, where'd you grow up? We're going to start easy. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Actually, a little city right outside of Fort Wayne called Leo Cedarville. Leo Cedarville. That almost mm-hmm. sounds like... Have you ever seen that movie, Mr. Deeds, when he makes up like Westchestersonville? Tell me you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, a long time ago. But yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like this perfect little town. Where do you live now? It's amazing. So we're actually in our hometown in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Again, um, I moved away to Nashville, Tennessee. That's where I went to undergrad and graduate school. So I was there. I went to Vanderbilt University. Then met the love of my life. And we headed back to my hometown to start a family. And now we're two kids deep and we're feeling two and under. And we're feeling um, the desire to move back to Nashville. So we're actually um, back and forth there house shopping right now. Oh, is that cool? Lori and I are going to Nashville at the end of November. It's a great city. We love it there. I'm a huge fan. So, what's one of your favorite quotes of all time? Okay, so this is funny. Um, might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little bitty while. Was my senior quote in high school. It's, is it Alan Jackson? It's a country song, like yeah. 90s country. And um, I just feel like it's such a good thing, even to this day. And I just, it's a great like mantra to live by, you know? Oh, I love that you broke out the 90s country for the quote. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> what's one of your superpowers, do you think? I would say relationships. So I was always the friend that people could depend on sharing their secrets and having a listening ear and um, really comforting. And I think that that really applies to my business now and and is why I'm able to attract people who really trust me. And I, I can provide that kind of grounding emotional, passionate type of feel with them while they're going through the you know chaos of either their health crisis or building their businesses. That is so invaluable. I love it. What's one of your favorite books? Mm. So right now I'm reading this book on anti-aging by David Sinclair. It just came out this year and I'm a total geek about all things medicine and anti-aging and genetics and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really into that right now. Can you make I read me it younger? every morning in this. Can you yeah. make me younger? That's what I'm working on too. Yeah, okay. no, there, there's totally a way. Yep. You crack that code, I'm in. I don't care what it costs. What's one thing you're challenged by right now? Mm. Well, this move to Nashville, we're really excited about it, but it's also a slight challenge um, because we are leaving family. Mm. So there's pros and cons there, of course, but that's something that like on a personal note, business aside, just, you know, because this is to get to know me a little better. Yeah. Um, families are number one. Yeah. And so it's kind of this like, balance between we want to be with family, we prioritize that the most, but also we're obsessed with growth and we love the city of Nashville and like we have friends there. And so it's kind of this conflicting thing that that's happening right now in our world. You know, Lori and I went through that uh, seven and a half years ago when we moved out here to LA. So maybe we'll circle back around on that one because it's a really tough thing when you're torn between growth and fulfilling your purpose and staying back to keep your family happy. Really tough thing. A couple more questions now. What's um, one of your all-time favorite accomplishments so far? Ooh, you know, I would say right now, there's two. Of course, being a mom is a huge accomplishment. And I would say simultaneously while building businesses. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think that when you have children or when you're a mom, that you have to kind of put everything else on the back burner. And I'm definitely proving that to be wrong. But Mm -hmm. I think that having support 
and also clarity has been the biggest thing that helped me along the way is I knew for certain this is what I wanted. So I feel like the moment that we have doubt in our mind about any decision or anything is the moment that it stalls. And I knew for absolute certain I wanted to be mom and I wanted to have an amazing business. So I think that that was the biggest thing right now. And I love the word and. You can have it all. Two more. What's Mm -hmm. something generous you've done recently? Ooh, that's so good. So we, one thing that we're really proud of and happy about is, and this is just like family generous. Can you tell them a family girl? So we're bringing my husband's parents who are so, so good to us and helpful and supportive. To We have a Florida place um, for the winter this winter and on the beach. And we're going to bring them down there just for, to thank for all the help that we've done. And which we would never have been able to do otherwise, you know, if we didn't have the business growth and everything. That is so cool. You know, Lori and I do that for both sides of the family, things like that. And I got to tell you, it's, it's one of the biggest drivers to be successful is that you can then create some of those family memories that you otherwise wouldn't create, right? So I love mm-hmm. that. Last but not least, what are you grateful for today? <laughs> my first instinct was family, but I'm like, oh my gosh, is, is that all that's I care right. Hey, listen, you cannot have that too much family. In- I love that. Yeah, that's my first instinct. So we have a little boy who just turned six months old and we just, we're totally over the head in love with them. And especially what I'm grateful about is that my husband um, in 2017 was able to come home or 2017, 18, was able to come home from his job that he really hated and to be with our family. So really, we have the ultimate flexibility in our schedule, in our lives, and we're able to do everything together now, which is so fantastic. It's amazing. We're going to circle back around to that because that's the fact that your husband was able to come home and that dynamic of working together. A lot of people always have a lot of questions about that. So by the way, congratulations. You made it through rapid fire, no problem. Like what people don't realize listening... (laughs) is before we actually started recording, she's like, I have to warn you, one thing I panic about is things like rapid fire, like naming my favorite books. You crushed it. What were you worried about? Thank you. You know, that's what the one thing, not a lot of things make me uncomfortable. But when somebody's like, I'm going to rapid fire you, I'm like, what are they going to ask? So it's just, you know, the uncertainty, I think. I love it. Of all the things that could panic you in the world, when somebody quote rapid fires, like that happens a lot or something. (laughs) That's great. Okay, so let's get into some some deeper questions. And I actually want to take you all the way back to the time when you were 22 years old. Life Mm -hmm. threw you for a bit of a loop, didn't it? So Mm -hmm. what happened? Can you kind of take us back there? Yeah, so I was a go-getter, stubborn little girl since the day I was born. And I thrive on accomplishments and I am a very internally motivated person. And before I was around the age of 22, before this, when I was in college and things like that, I was... I mean, top of my class, taking 22 credit hours and doing the internship, grinding at the gym. Like I was fit. I was happy what I thought. I was healthy what I thought. And then all of a sudden, when I was 22, all of everything just kind of crumbled down. Physically, my body started to fail me, which is not a good feeling because I... You know those people, maybe you're probably one of them. If you have a sick day, you're like, oh, I'm so annoyed that I'm sick today because I have, I want to do this and that. That's the kind of person I was until one day I actually landed myself in the hospital with what's called a TIA. It's a mini stroke. Mm-hmm. Wow. And no, like previously unhealthy or previously healthy, no indication that this was going to happen except for I started to get some weird symptoms that I totally ignored or tried to resolve. But then my doctors would tell me everything looks normal on your labs. You're fine. Can you share um, those for people listening? Yeah. So the very first symptom that I started getting was swelling. 
And it could be after eating something really healthy, like something that I've been eating my whole life. And then all of a sudden it was causing swelling, whether it be my face looked like puffy or bloated or my stomach was really bloated or my legs. At one time, actually, I remember vividly, I was sitting, um, I was still at Vanderbilt University at the, at the time and I was sitting in class for, you know, hour or so long. And I got up and started walking away and my left legs just felt weird. And I looked down, it just felt so weird. It wasn't asleep, but something was wrong. So I looked down and I pull up the pant leg of my, of my pants and my leg was literally like, it was an elephant leg from my thigh down to my ankle was the same size. Wow. And it was just swollen. And I was on birth control at the time. And one of the side effects of birth control can be clots in your legs. And so that I'm, and I was medical, right? I'm a nurse practitioner. So I knew, oh my gosh, I'm having a clot because of this birth control. Took myself to the clinic. They scanned me. They said, everything looks normal. Take this ibuprofen. It'll go away. And it did. But that was one of the very first things that started happening to me is this swelling, this full Mm -hmm. body swelling and bloating. That's crazy. Okay. So you're starting to get these symptoms. You land yourself in the hospital at 22 years old, having this mini stroke. What's next? No answers. So here I am like, oh my gosh, I just had a stroke. This, all this stuff is happening. And the doctors legitimately just tell me this news. Give me all of these diagnoses like kidney failure, mini stroke, PCOS, infertility, like things that are majorly you know, impactful on a person. And at then, any age, not to mention 22. Age. Exactly. I mean, you're a kid. Your whole life is ahead of you. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and, and after they gave me the discharges, there was nothing. They didn't even schedule a follow-up appointment. They didn't tell me where to go from there, why it happened. And so it was just like this kind of, well, oh my God, like, am I, am I dying? What, what do I, what am I supposed to do? Who's going to help me? So is this like kind of what you, you were already studying med at this point. Is this what made you go all in on, I'm going to, be the type of practitioner that I needed when I was sick? Or like, how did you end up doing what you're doing? Well, I knew even from a young age that I really liked nutrition and exercise and lifestyle. So I was really into that, but I didn't realize that I was doing it from incorrectly, really. I was following a lot of, you know, workout blogs where it was, you know, eat every two hours, these types of foods every single day. And I really was malnourished. And so I was, I was interested in that stuff. I didn't know really how to do it. And it was through then my health challenges that I did seek out what's called now functional medicine, which is the way I practice, really finding out the root cause of what's going on in your body. So that if you're like me, you know, with all of these symptoms and no one's telling you why they're happening or what they are, we can figure it out. And I would say that the, this process though of even seeing functional practitioners, because I was in the traditional medical model, that's how I was trained. And then I went into this functional medicine model. And while I was going through schooling, I started to see functional medicine doctors to try to get me better. And I, I had a really horrible experience with them. Mm. And so I think that that also helped me realize like, dang, I do not want to be a practitioner like that. These people deserve to be heard, to be helped. And these people aren't doing it the way I thought would, would be the, really, the right way, really. Yeah. So... I think this kind of steers us towards a conversation about today's entrepreneurs because you were 22, you were grinding it out in the gym, you're grinding out in school, you're grinding it out at work. You're like, you got to this place because you overdid it, right? Is that mm-hmm. some good layman's terms right there? You overdid it? Thousand percent. I thought that the hustle was like a, a prideful thing and it's not. It's I feel like we live in a culture smart. right now where there's too many people that think 
the hustle as an entrepreneur is the prideful thing. Speak on that a little bit. I will tell you that if you think the hustle is the prideful thing, maybe at first you feel on fire, but I can guarantee you because of the people who I work with, you will burn out mm, at some point. Not sustainable. No, it's not. Your body's going to crash. You're going to be fatigued, angry, irritable, depressed. I mean, look at even suicide potential, mm-hmm. right? And so why let it get to that point to where you now feel miserable? Mm-hmm. You can't show up for your clients. You can't show up for yourself or for your family. Your relationships are falling apart. You feel like crap. Like why let it get to that point? Because I know for certain you can build a business that is successful without doing that to your body. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's too many people that are just burning the candle at both ends, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be that way, right? As an entrepreneur, you don't, I mean, look at you, you're a mother of two very young children, both under two. So you have a lot going on and yet you still have a business that's doubling year over year over year. So you don't have to do that, grind it out. Do you, do you have any existing habits from those days where you ended up in the hospital that you still fight? I really don't think so. I did a major overhaul. I can see it creeping up. Mm-hmm. So I really am addicted to success. I really think so. I think it's just personal fulfillment and growth. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy challenging myself and watching myself, you know, succeed yeah. in those things. And so if I'm not careful, I can be the type of person who will put the kids to bed and then sneak downstairs and work for four more hours, you know, till 1 a.m. Oh, wow. And it's my husband who's really grounding and reminds me how important it is to prioritize my family and my health first and foremost, because I say those are my most important priorities, but sometimes I can see those actions sneaking up that don't portray that. Mm-hmm. And so it's a daily reminder and then really overhauling my whole lifestyle. And most of the things that I did back then, I don't do anymore. Mm. And it's really coming from everything in my life, the way I eat, the way I move, the way I breathe, the friends I surround myself with and coming at it at a place of love instead of like fear and punishment, just from genuinely nourishing my body and my mind and my relationships and just being addicted to life, but in a really healthy way. That's cool. It almost reminds me of a conversation I had this past weekend. Um, I was at a mastermind and somebody said that this over hustle that people are doing comes from a place of fear and scarcity. Whereas instead, if you change it to a motivation of accomplishment, then you can do it in a much healthier way because you're no longer doing it from fear or scarcity. Yeah, I can say absolutely. And I think also looking at what everybody else is doing around you, especially if you're like me, I join a lot of masterminds, mentorships, big groups where people are absolutely crushing it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can see that highlight reel and think, oh my gosh, we have to be doing that too. We need to start a podcast. We need to write a book. We should be on stage. And you don't have to. Mm -hmm. It's your choice, how you build your business and what you do within your business. And there's lots of ways to be successful. It doesn't have to be the way that somebody else is doing it. And it doesn't have to be all of the ways. It can be very simple, a few top things that you do in your business that you succeed really well at. So now I want to fast forward a little bit. You went on to work in a hospital setting for how many years? Two. Okay, two years. And here you are, you know, living out what you thought you were going to do. And you realize that you're a little bit handcuffed, right? Like you couldn't Mm -hmm. really help people in the way that you thought you were meant to help them. So now bring us to that moment. What was going on? Yeah. So, well, the first thing is when I was a kid, I was a dreamer. I've always been like super motivational and optimistic. That's just my nature. In fact, my sisters used to say like, oh, hi, Maggie's coming out. Like I was high smoking weed, but I never did. That was literally just the things that I say and think about and believe. 
right? I was a very abundant person manifesting everything mm-hmm. before I knew what manifesting was. But then when I started my job, which is the job I thought I wanted, the top hospital in town, a nurse practitioner, I even had a job that I personally managed nine clinics because wow. we were staffed. The position I was in was staffed by nurse practitioners instead of doctors. So like I had the job I thought I really wanted. And then I get there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm like being told what to do by somebody else. I have an absolute scheduling conflict because I thought I wanted all this freedom. And you know, my mindset is like, you can do whatever you want in the world. And then I have to work from nine to five every day. I was on call all the time, waking up with my, I was pregnant with my first son and I was like pregnant, trying to rest and, you know, have this healthy pregnancy. And I was being called in to, you know, stitch up some guy who fell off a rooftop in the middle of the night. And it just, it wasn't the lifestyle that I knew I was meant to live. So I felt like a big alignment conflict. And then when I started to learn more about functional medicine and these people are coming in and I literally wanted to spend more time knowing about them and understanding them and really helping to impact their life. And I got in trouble. And if I spent too long with the person, I would get in trouble. So we had to keep our visits down to 10 or less minutes. And we had to prescribe them certain medications each visit. So it was like, yeah, it is. Because all they care about in the traditional medical model, right? Okay, first of all, we need traditional medicine. Mm -hmm. We do. It's very important and there's a time and place for it. But for people coming in with things like chronic disorders or they have questions and you can't help them in five to 10 minutes. No. And all they cared about was getting the charts through the door, seeing as many people as possible. I feel like your original story that you told and now this one, we really have to be like our own advocates of health Mm -hmm. or we're kind of screwed, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Because most people, like a health business, is for business. Mm. They're not really invested in what Chris Harder really needs right now yeah. and how he really needs you to listen to him and to help him and to, you know all of that kind of stuff and to track progress. So yeah, it was a huge conflict when I was in that model. That's fascinating. Okay, so here you are. You're like, this is totally out of alignment. How did you find the courage to go off on your own? Because that's a, at that point, what you're describing is a serious six-figure job. You're super young. That's got to be scary to leave. And I know a lot of DMs I get are people saying... I've got a good job. I have a family to take care of, but I don't want to be here. What do I do? Yeah. So you know how I said when I was, since I was born, I'm just kind of an oddball there. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't fearful actually, to be 100% honest. I wish I could say like, you know, I combated this major fear, but I was so certain in my mind that this wasn't for me and that something else was. I didn't know what it was, but I was going to find it. And I had never even heard of the word mastermind before mm-hmm. or a virtual health consulting practice. I didn't even know this job existed, mm-hmm. but I was determined to figure out a better way for myself. That's wild. And so you went on to just Google it, figure it out. How'd you end up where you are? And you know, everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah. So I was actually going through the Institute for Functional Medicine, which is the certification program um, for functional medicine. And we were on a live stream one of the conferences and there was a chat box and we were talking, me and this one guy were talking and he had a virtual practice. And I was like, whoa, this is possible. He's like, yeah, like what are your lifestyle goals? And I'm like, no one's ever asked me that. You know, like I want to stay home with my kids. The reason I became a nurse practitioner instead of a doctor is because I wanted to work part-time but still make enough money to make enough money and live my life the way I wanted to. And I'm like, wait, I can work even less than part-time and from home and make more money (laughs) and make more impact. Yeah, like sign me up. So actually that was my very first mentor. And he's the one who kind of told me that this is 
that there is a world like this out there. That's how I found about, out yeah, about that's all That's really this. cool. And so now, obviously, you pay for it. That's what you do now. So you specialize in helping health and wellness enthusiasts or cl- you know, clinicians, health practitioners, whatever, kind of come home and be the brand. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, absolutely. And make a bigger impact. So even some practitioners who come to work with me, they have a brick and mortar practice in mm-hmm. their town. And a little bit of me, like ego-wise, wanted that as well when I first started out. Because mm-hmm. I mean, come on, you go into your own practitioner's office. Yeah. I've got doctors working for me. Like, you know, I kind of wanted that. But when I sat down and really thought about, okay, Maggie, are you gonna do like how are you gonna do this? A brick and mortar practice and just, you know, be the hometown boss or virtual so that you can actually help everybody who needs help. And so it was a no-brainer for me. I'm all about transformation and helping as many people as possible. And the whole world can be your client. And the whole world is a listening ear when you go into the virtual space. Yeah. Okay. So what's the biggest challenge for people, especially in that medical-related or health and wellness world? What's the biggest challenge they face in going... What's the word I'm looking for? Virtual. Yeah, well, one of the biggest challenges, and this is a challenge I had when I began, is we are not trained anything business related. No. No idea. I don't know how to even apply for a business name or taxes or what an EIN number was. Like, I didn't yeah. know any of that. We're, we don't know. And then it comes to marketing yourself, which is a, a big thing out of your comfort zone, me too, when we have to now, oh, wow, okay, I need to market myself and you know tell people I exist so I can help them because <laughs> they're not going to just find you. And then the last thing that really is kind of out of your comfort zone is the knowledge that we have, right? We as clinicians or as business consultants or whatever, we have the knowledge to help a lot of people, but we can't help everybody. And especially as clinicians, that's something that we're kind of... We're taught to do is help everybody at our own expense. Ah, and it's a big shift when we go into building our own practices, especially virtual. Especially Does it virtual, make you want that, to charge less than what you really should because of that yeah. mentality? Yeah, because if somebody comes into your door and they're telling you about this huge story of autoimmune disease and cancer and da, 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 all this stuff, and then they're like, well, I can't afford you. And you know that you can help them though. That's the conflict for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's something that a lot of practitioners struggle with in my space. And I hear all the time from my clients. Wow, that's crazy. But that makes us... I see that across every business, honestly, when they finally shift to working on their own, this fear around charging what you're really worth. Do you have any advice around that? Well, first of all, know that they need your help. They want to hire you is a big thing. And I know when I first started doing calls and you know trying to sell my services, that was a big shift I had to make in my own mind as not being fearful about this call and like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think when I say my price? But being excited like man, they can't wait to hear my price because they cannot wait for the solutions I'm going to give them. Mm. And that's the biggest thing to keep in mind when you're charging is that like, don't charge for, especially clinicians and, and coaches and everybody, don't charge for like the per visit rate at what you think is standard, but for the solutions you're giving clients. Ooh, I like that actually. That's really good advice. Don't charge what you think the going rate is. Charge based on the solution that you're, you think you're providing. Because that yeah. obviously gives you such a bigger number. Right. So like Chris, if you're helping somebody build, you know, up to $10 million, that's going to be a higher ticket price, right? That's mm-hmm. the solution you're giving them. Exact clarity and direction to hit that 10 mil mark. Oh my God. I love that. So here's another thing I want to ask you about because you have this great perspective of you brought your husband home from his job. What was he doing, by the way? He was working sales at a scrap metal company. Okay. So he was doing sales outside of the house. You got to bring him home and, and quote, retire him or whatever you want to call it. Mm. And he works in your business now. Is that right? 
Okay. What so, role does he play? Uh, oh, so right now he does the CFO role. Okay. And prior to four weeks ago, he did kind of everything, but we just hired somebody to take over his spot. So he was doing scheduling my clients, email follow-up. He ordered lab. We do lab testing, like food intolerance mm-hmm. and gut health ordering the lab testing, getting the results to people, and even writing a lot of my email content based on stuff I talk about all the time, then he would like write it up for me. Um, so he kind of did a mesh of a lot of things. And then four weeks ago, we were able to hire somebody to take over all of his roles. So that's pretty that cool. That is so cool. Like, Doesn't growth and creating jobs feel awesome? Oh my gosh, yes. It's one of the I'm, best feelings on the planet. It is like literally the best feeling ever. I want to be the best boss in the entire world. So like this first like real employee, other than my husband, of course, (laughs) I'm just like obsessed with her and just like little kind things that I do for her. And I love that. Like I just want to make her life the best ever. And she's making my life the best ever in turn. Right. I love that. I love that. And by the way, I think we need to remind people you almost have two businesses. You have your Mm. clinician side where you're helping people with their health. And then you have you've Mm. got your entrepreneur side where you're helping people with their business who are also kind of clinicians. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So I just want to clarify that for everyone. So what challenges has this brought when husband came home? You know, the dream is uh, he gets to retire, he gets to come home, he gets to work with you, you get to see each other more. What challenges has this brought? Oh my gosh. Well, that's a huge topic. So the first challenge is we were all pumped up for him to come home. We were like, oh my God, we're going to live the dream. This is freaking awesome. <laughs> you know. And then he gets home and we quickly realize this is my passion. Mm. You know, like I'm obsessed with this. I could, this is not work to me. I could talk about it all day, every day. But yeah. that's not, this is not his passion. This no. is, you know, so that was one thing that was an adjustment, right? He came home from a job he didn't like. And although he loves to be home with our family and we love the flexibility this allows, this is not his dream job. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I can really see that being a challenge. So what'd you do about it? We hired somebody to take over his place. Huh, and so, <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, that's the first thing. And then the second thing we did about it is I knew that he's not really into this, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that I prioritize and respect and value our husband, wife relationship way more than I value knocking out some more email sequences. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't, I guess, like, quote, bossy, even if something didn't get done like I wanted it to, or I wanted more out of the task I had given, or I wanted him to think ahead and just do this stuff for me without even asking, like, be above and beyond. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring it up, really. Yeah. Because... The marriage was the first and foremost. He's helping me tremendously and he's not an employee. He's my husband. It's so tough though because then something's suffering, right? If you bring it up, marriage is going to mm-hmm. suffer. If you don't bring it up, your business and your clients are going to suffer. How do you choose between those two? Yeah, so I chose my husband and my business didn't grow as fast as I probably would have wanted it to last year. I wanted to whip out a bunch of content, get everything scheduled and done, um, but we didn't have anybody hired on to do that. And yeah, I mean, like we needed we needed a team before we hired a team. So now we started to build our team. And I think that that's one thing if if I'm giving any advice right now for you listening, do before you're ready. Yeah. Because I can speak personally when we were re- I was ready, but financially it was like, okay, but or I could keep on trying to do it on my own so that we can profit more and da, da, da. no, like even before you feel like you're financially ready to hire somebody, hire them because the profits just like explode after that. Because once you have that support. It's so counterintuitive, right? People are so afraid to commit to that salary or that employee because they think they're going to have less money when they do. And, and if you hire correctly, the inverse is true. You make significantly more money for each hire that you make. And so we teach people yeah. all the time, you have to hire for where you're going, 
not for where you're at right now. And that is so Mm -hmm. tough for people to grasp because of the fears around it. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. It is kind of fearful. And and if you have people around you who are kind of feeding you that you're not ready, or Mm -hmm. let's wait until you hit this amount of income, or do you really need that right now? Because the profit is most most important and you're going to be giving them that salary Mm -hmm. portion. And I think it's just something that you have to just they don't understand your visions and goals, right? No one does except for you. Yeah. Or like you're somebody who's really close to you, like a business bestie or something. So I think you have to just internally know like this is what is going to happen mm-hmm. and trust yourself that it's going to work out. Yeah, that's really good advice. I love that. Let's switch modes a minute and talk Instagram because everyone's always trying to grow their Instagram, right? And Instagram's all the all the rave. And you had, mm. when, when we first met, you had an epic Instagram, like you were crushing mm-hmm. it. What happened? Yeah, so it was hacked. Whoa, um, I can't freaking imagine. This is like all of our deepest rooted fears. How did it get hacked? Yeah, so this is what happened. I was sitting in the evening time. I don't work, okay? So I have very clear boundaries with work and with family. So 3.30 in the afternoon, our son comes home from school, the two-year-old, and we're done for the day. Okay. And so we're sitting and we're just hanging out in the evening time. It's like 5.30 in the evening with the family. And all of a sudden, my phone's going like, bing, 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 bing. And I'm like, what is going on? Who's messaging me or whatever? It was my emails though. And I open up my emails and I got like seven right in a row. And the first one, I look at the first one, they're from Instagram. Mm-hmm. The first one says, your Instagram has a new login. And the second one says, your Instagram name has changed. So they've oh. changed my handle. The next one, your Instagram password has changed. The next one, your email has changed. They even changed my email address. Oh. So they were in. And then How'd I started get getting... In? I don't know. So, so like you still haven't figured out. So like this could happen to any one of us at any time. So I think, to be honest, I think what happened, first of all, I didn't have two-factor authentication on. Oh, do that right now. That on. Yes. Take like pause this podcast and take your note and yes. do it. And then the second thing is I think it was through an email. So I get collaborations on Instagram a lot saying like, hey, we'd love you to send you our items so you can try it out and show your following. I get that a lot. So there was this email that I think it may have come from and it was a collaboration for this boutique clothing mm-hmm. store that I actually went to all the time because it was directly across from Vanderbilt University in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It was like one of my favorite stores. So I'm like, oh my gosh, awesome. They want to collab with me. Perfect. And so in the email, it said like, click here to check out our style. It's clothing. Our style is that we'd love for you to like try out for your Instagram. Or da, da, da. So I clicked the link and it brought me to the Instagram page. Now the Instagram page is real. And like I'm just like scrolling through. It's the store I'm very familiar with. But I just have to think that that must have been it because it was, I think that next day that I started getting attacked and hacked into. So I think that it was a fake. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Question. I'm pretty sure Question. That when that you clicked on the thing. link of the store that you already knew and loved and shopped at, when you clicked on it to visit their page, did you have to put in your like your login information? No, but here's the thing. I have mine as always logged in. So I was on my computer. So all I did was click the link. And since my computer saves my passwords, it just automatically logged me in. Oh my God. It's like, it's like we have to be skeptical and scared of everything in this digital world. It's so crazy. I know. Like, how do you know? That was one of my favorite stores and the Instagram was real. That's nuts. Okay. So you realize this is happening. What are you thinking? Kind of, I was just in frozen mode where like, okay, all right, we got this. What, what, what do we do next? Mm-hmm. And then I started reading the There's other that emails. that positive Maggie. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm annoyingly optimistic as most people would tell you, but the honest that I'm just being truthful to you. That was my first instinct is like, okay, well, let, okay, well, let's figure out how we're going to make it happen and what we're going to do. And so then I started reading the emails from the hacker saying, we have your account. If you don't respond to us within one hour, we're going to sell all your content. They were threatening to sell my stuff. Um, and then I started getting them like, you're not responding to us. We're selling your stuff and we're going to delete your entire content. Of course, I didn't respond to them. Of course, they deleted everything and I was swiped out. Wow. Absolutely crazy. What do you think? What, did they want money? Do you think if you would have paid them yeah. that they would have like given it back to you? No, because I know people in the past who have been hacked and they have paid the money and they still don't give it back. So I don't, I think even if I responded and entertained the idea, I'm sure I would have paid if, if I would have even paid them. But if I paid them, I'm sure I wouldn't have gotten it back still. So this is like your hard work and your identity, your digital identity is all of a sudden gone in that moment. Yeah. What'd you learn I've, from it? Well, first of all, I felt stolen from. Like if you've ever been stolen from, which I have, when they steal like an item that means a lot to you and you're like, it didn't mean anything to them. Like why'd they take that? So. I felt like that, like, you know, and um, I felt frustrated because this is the last, it was three years of constant content to my audience and personal. If you follow me on Instagram, which you should at my new handle, <laughs> which um, is Maggie underscore Burgoff. That's another thing. They took my name. I couldn't even just be Maggie Burgoff anymore. Thank goodness the underscore was available, but like yeah. they took my name. They don't want people. I share my family on there. I, I they know my my kids' names. They know what cities I visit. What mm-hmm. coffee shops are my favorite ones. So I felt like really stolen from, and that sucked. That part yeah. really hurt. Yeah, that's. I don't know about you, but I don't have scrapbooks laying around. I feel like Facebook and Instagram is kind of like my digital footprint of looking back on memories. Yeah, like both of my kids were birthed on that Instagram. Yeah. You know, like my marriage. I, I had that Instagram when I got married. Built my first business had my kids, built my second business. Like it was all in there. It was my life. And then then it was gone in a split second. So to answer your question, what did I learn most? One, from a business perspective, I should have been actively giving them valuable things, but in exchange for their emails, of course, Mm -hmm. to build my list. So that if... Because if it did crash and I still had their emails, I could easily just be like, oh my gosh, I was crashed. Follow me at my new one. But I didn't. Yeah, that's such a great lesson. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. In this day and age, even like put hacking get aside, even though it can happen, algorithm changes or whatever. If you don't own your audience, that's what I call it. If you don't Mm -hmm. literally own your audience, you are setting yourself up for some kind of failure right around the corner. You just don't see it yet. So Mm -hmm. what does owning your audience mean? You must own your email list. You must own a messenger list. You must like a text messenger list. You Mm -hmm. must have a podcast or something where you are controlling the subscribes and the opt-ins and the audience, not is my Instagram working or not? You know, it's crazy. So I'm so glad that you pointed that out. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And you know, I kind of knew that and I knew and like it was in the back of my head like, oh, someday I'm going to get all these people's email addresses mm-hmm. and give them a freebie thing. And it's kind of like medicine, like prevention. Mm-hmm. You need to act now and set yourself up for success in the future for your health and for your business. And so that's what I learned. The biggest valuable lesson from the Instagram crash is I should have I should have been doing something to... And I don't like the should have, but yeah. um, I could have been gaining that audience for lifelong customers, not at the 
not just on Instagram, but Man, on one, of my the, one of the most valuable lessons today that you and I have talked about. I, I, I hope that we save some people's Instagrams, and I hope that yes. we we spark the the action in them to go out there, and, you know, build lists that they own and control if they expect to be in business tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you made a comeback. Your Instagram is is building again. Everyone, go follow her at Maggie underscore Berghoff. <laughs> By the way, do you yeah. want a little tip to get your old name back? Yeah. Okay. If you trademark your name, once a trademark goes through. Instagram will force place whoever owns it back into you because you own the trademark. Done. Yep. So there you go. For anyone listening, Thank especially you. for you, Maggie. So, okay. Yeah, I know that you and I share a common ethos in, in giving and, and just like showing up in the world. Like all this success is for something, right? It's not mm-hmm. just to pile up a bunch of money and live in a mansion in Nashville. See what I did there? I know where you're headed. But um, <laughs> what, what causes mean a lot to you right now? Yeah, so... One thing is health, honestly. Mm -hmm. So I do charge premium prices for my services and I'm not going to stop doing that. But once I start to make more more and more money, I'm able to actually give money to like the health things that I really care about, like school systems and lunches and people who can't like women's health initiatives, like people, women who can't afford care for their babies or for their pregnancies. So that's one of my biggest things of once and not once, I already am. Mm -hmm. Now that I am able to make a higher income for myself, I'm able to help those people in a way that I would never be able to help them. If Even if I were like, oh, I'm going to do $10 visits to let these people afford me, that's not really helping them. What they need is like bigger change. Yep. Yeah. I'm so glad you point that out. They don't need you to charge $10 visits. They need you to make as much money as possible so that you can route that money back into the causes that you care the most about. I also want to point out this really funny money mindset thing that, that we all do. Your words you were you were starting to say were one side, one side when you're mm-hmm. already doing it. Isn't it funny mm-hmm. that we we don't think that the contributions that we're making now are significant? So we automatically project into the future of, well, the really big contributions are once I do X, Y, and Z. And we ignore the ones that I know that you're making right now. It's just so funny that we do that we do that. It is. And I caught myself right like when I was saying it, because I was like, what are you talking about? You are doing it. And and you don't have to wait until that ending point. And it's the same thing of your own life. Like once I lose 10 pounds, I'll apply for speaking events. You know, yep. like, no, like do it now. You're doing it now. I love that. Do you have a favorite moment, moment of giving that you can remember? Mm. I know how you love being put on the spot. <laughs> I do not. Gosh. I told giving you, we're to going to exercise this muscle of yours during this, this podcast. Good. This is good. I like it. I like it. I just don't know. Like I can't pinpoint, I guess, so last, a recent thing. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were able to donate a massive amount for some entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs in South Africa who are trying to make it in this world to provide for their families. Yeah. Um, and then we also, like I said, family is so important. So we also donated a lot to the school system in South Africa and we were able to visit them and we literally built them a city. So oh we literally gosh. built like an entire school system, cafeteria, nurses' office, everything through our donations, which I, I do feel like, for example, me being their practitioner mm-hmm. wouldn't help them. No. Me making enough money to donate a massive amount to build that entire basically city community to help their children grow up and give the parents an opportunity to allow their children to be cared for during the day so they can go make money and make a living. That was huge. Listen to that contribution that you just described. And yet you were stuck in a place of, eh, I'll do something bigger later and then I'll talk about it. I'm telling you, it's so effed up the way our minds think that you would skip over a contribution like that 
and think that it's not meaningful until you do something bigger. And there's other people that are working up to doing what you did. You're absolutely right. And I think that that's one of my biggest challenges as a human being is always wanting the more, more, more and forgetting when I'm in that moment that this is what I previously wanted. Like this was the goal. And then as soon as I achieve it, since I'm such a forward thinker and I'm so obsessed with like goals and visions, it feels like no big deal because I literally like already lived it years ago. Like I believed in it so strongly that it kind of already happened in my mind that when it happens, I kind of am like, oh yeah, no big deal. Now let's do this thing. And so I think that's one, I know that that's one of my biggest challenges. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think a lot of you guys, you get to that point and then you're like, okay, well, what's next? Mm -hmm. And you forget to celebrate and be in that moment, like you said, and realize, wow, that was really amazing. That was really cool that I got to do that. Yeah. I love that we got to kind of coach through that real time on here because everyone else gets stuck in that same rut too. I love it. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Where can we all find you? Well, my name is Instagram, but... More importantly, my um, my website is maggieberghoff.com. And that's B-E-R-G-H-O-F-F. Yeah, All right. like Berghoff. All right, awesome. So Instagram, maggieberghoff.com. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, inst- or not Instagram, I'm sorry, your, your website, maggieberghoff.com. But Instagram, I want everybody yeah. at the end of this podcast oh to gosh. give this girl some <laughs> love on Instagram because it got hacked and stolen from her. Imagine how you would feel mm. if you got hacked and stolen from. You had to start from zero on your Instagram and you had a really, really freaking huge good one. So go mm-hmm. follow Maggie at Maggie underscore Berghoff. And, yeah. And we uh, were just talking earlier before this recording about how I'm such a DM person. So like yes. I personally love talking to all my people. So even if you follow me at Maggie underscore Berghoff and you send me a message, like I want to chat with you. I want to be friends with you. So definitely connect with me over there. I love that. Okay. Really cool. All right. Last question. Mm-hmm. Give me a reason why people should be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? Well, it's your obligation, like we said earlier, to make as much money as you possibly can if you have that gift and that drive so that you can in turn then make the world a better place. I love that. I absolutely. It's the simplest, most true point in the world. And if everybody freaking lived up to that one principle, then I really do believe that everything, every problem, every challenge would have enough money behind it and enough solutions that we would literally cure everything that we're facing. I absolutely love that. I absolutely agree. Maggie, you killed it. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for carving almost an hour out of your life and, and being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. You're a great host. Seriously, my pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.